This is Paul's prayer for the church, and this is my prayer for us this morning. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that incredibly beautiful? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I feel like the Lord is wanting to call us back to fellowship with him. That it's easy to walk in the broad strokes of what God's called us to, but he wants to, he wants to call us to fellowship. He wants us to delight ourselves in him. Um, I'm going to really skip ahead here, but there's this other beautiful verse. Humphrey, if you could find us for it. It's in the, the Psalm chapter 20, 37, verse 3. I think David was really, really good at this. And I feel like the Lord wants us to get really good at this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I feel like the Lord is calling us back to a delighting ourselves. To enjoying the presence of Jesus. Yes, we can pray. Yes, we can pray for lots of things. But he wants us to delight ourselves in him. He wants us to enjoy walking with him. And it's something that you can enjoy for a little while and then you can slip back into going, into the, going, going through the motions. And you can actually take for granted the presence of Jesus. I feel like the Lord is restoring that sense of delighting in him, enjoying his presence, not even rushing through our times with him. When we're spending time with him, whether it be on Sunday or in the morning, or that we wouldn't rush through our times with him, but we would linger and we would enjoy and delight in him. I, 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 say, I said it already, but when you read the Psalms, don't you get that sense with David's worship and his prayers, that he's delighting, he's enjoying, he's savoring the presence of God. Amen? You guys awake? I hope so. I'm awake. But um, so this morning I felt to just speak a little bit on walking with God. Walking with God. And Janine's going to share a little bit as well. Uh, we're going to tag team. She's just, it's not like a sermon, but some stuff that she felt on her heart in terms of walking with God in the light of eternity and the joy and the anchor that we have in Him. But um, I felt to share just on this this thing of um, what one of the interesting things God's been doing amongst us on a Sunday is he's been breaking some of our molds as we follow the Spirit. And there's such life when we do that. But I felt like God's saying he wants to do that in your life too during the week. That as you walk according to his Spirit, that he's get, that's where the fun starts. That's when the fun start, stuff starts to happen. It's when you courageously follow the voice of his Holy Spirit and step out in boldness. And don't just stick to the routines of, you know, just living the good Christian life. Does that make sense? If you read the book of Acts, we really as a church have a passion to want to do in us what we see in the book of Acts. Spirit being poured out. But it's interesting, the Spirit does get poured out when they gather together, but He also does some crazy things in the individual's lives as they walk according to the Holy Spirit. And so we can walk in a safe path, 
following the sort of generic wisdom of Christianity. But God wants us to walk with Him every day. And uh, it's an incredible thing, you know, that I, I don't know if this still boggles your mind, but I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of like this, uh, it's, it's of the cosmos. And for some reason there's this ray of light and the earth got caught in this ray of light, almost like dust, a dust particle uh, in a ray of light. It was a very crazy photo, uh, but it kind of just showed you like the earth looking like a dust particle in the, in the sphere of, in the, in the realm of, of the cosmos. And that's the whole earth. <laughs> and then you think that we are a dust particle on a dust particle, you know, and the insignificance of that. And yet, as you read, Scripture reveals the heart and the nature of God. He's always, for some mysterious unknown reason, wanted to have relationship with a dust particle that's on a dust particle called Luke, you know? You see him walking with a man like Abraham and calling Abraham out of all the nations of the earth and saying, Abraham, I want to be your God, your God. And Abraham starts this journey, and it's a journey of faith, and it's a journey of walking every day with God. Abraham didn't even have a Bible. They weren't invented yet. But he walked every day with God. And uh, he had an incredible relationship with God. In fact, God visited him in his tent and had a meal with him and, 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 and chatted with him about the future of two cities that were down the road and spoke with Abraham, the Bible says, as a friend speaks with a friend. Not to say that God's on our level, but for some reason he brings himself low and he, he converses with us and he confides in us and he, he, he delights in us and he, he wants for us to delight in him and to seek him, to know him. And to know some of the intimate things that are on his heart. I think that's an incredible mystery. That is, that, that, that's a marvel. That he would want to, you know. That he would want to have that kind of intimate relationship where he reveals some of his, some of his wisdom for even the future with a dust particle that's sitting on a dust particle, you know. Um, but he does, and it's the beautiful thing about God. Um, and there's something inside of us that doesn't want generic Christianity to live a good Christian life within the broad principles of what the Scripture says. But it actually desires an intimacy with God and a, and, and a communion, a daily fellowship where He's speaking to me and I'm speaking to Him. Um, I, I, I grew up in the church and, and for many years I, grew, I, ha, I had the experience of a generic Christian life where I lived the generic Christian, I did the Christian things that Christians do. And I grew very uh, frustrated with Christianity and very uh, dissatisfied with Christianity because I realized at some point very late in life that I spoke to God, but he never spoke to me. It was a very sad re re realization that I had when I was in my mid-teens at some point. And I was like, maybe everything's fake. Uh, that's, what, that's kind of my cynical side kicked in. But I really desired to have a, 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 an intimate relationship with God where he would speak to me. And I would speak to him and he would reveal himself to me. And it wouldn't just be a generic Christian life. But the promise of the gospel is that that is what he wants with us. I want to just read um, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. This is a crazy summary statement. Every now and then the scriptures give you a summary statement where it sort of summarizes a large portions of, of scripture. He's basically, uh, the goal 
of this command, or it, in another translation, it says, the goal of our instruction, the goal of everything that we teach you, and this is Paul. So like, the goal of everything that I teach you, Timothy, and all the things that I say to all the churches, what's the goal? Is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Isn't that a beautiful summary of what God's called us to? A, 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 he's called us to love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. There's one of the things that I felt the Lord wanted me to, to speak on this morning is, is what does it look like to, to walk every day with God? And I can only touch on two, two things because I don't want to, I, I want Janine to share as well. But one of the things that I wanted to pick up on is what does it look like to, uh, to love from a good conscience? Paul speaks about it a lot, actually. The, the importance of, of, a, of a good, clean conscience in relationship with God. As we walk out our faith, what is the role of a, of a clean conscience? And the, the answer to that is very, very important. God actually speaks to us. One of the ways, one of the primary ways he speaks to us is actually through our conscience. Did you know that? So the question that follows is, well, what is a conscience? It's interesting that <clears throat> unbelievers also have a conscience. Um, unbelievers have a conscience, but the Bible says in, uh, let's put it up there actually, Titus chapter 1 verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. And so our conscience is like an intuitive knowledge of what is right and what is wrong, what is pleasing and what is displeasing to God. It's an intuitive knowledge. It's kind of like the fingerprints that God left on our heart when he made us. Because we are made in the image of God, we have a conscience which intuitively knows things about what's on God's heart. But when you're an unbeliever, your conscience gets corrupted so that it's not a perfect guide. And so things like culture can influence your culture, your, your conscience. Culture can influence your conscience. But sin also can deaden your conscience. So that things which are despicably evil to God actually don't bother my conscience too much anymore. And so your conscience is not a perfect guide, a moral guide when you're an unbeliever. But something, God does something quite beautiful when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are born again. Maybe you can put it up in uh, Romans 9, verse 1. Paul mentions something which I think is quite a common experience for us as Christians about what happens with our conscience when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. Amazing, hey? So there's something that happens for us as believers. But when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sharpens our conscience. He restores our conscience. He heals our conscience. It's almost like he begins to restore a correct understanding of what pleases God's heart and what displeases his heart. And so he signals to us through our conscience what he's feeling. And, and, and we are able to walk 
And this is how Abraham, Abraham was able to walk, even without a Bible. He's able to walk in a way that's pleasing to God because God can speak to me through my conscience. Does that make sense? It's one of the ways, one of the very significant ways in which the Holy Spirit leads me. Why do I make a point of this? Because sometimes I often get people asking, and I'm not, I don't think this is a bad thing. I'll explain why I don't think it's a bad thing. I have a, I, often people, Christians, will ask me, am, as a Christian, am I allowed to do this? Or am I allowed to do that? And if I'm a good leader, I'll say, well, what does the Bible say? Then we'll look at some scripture verses together about what God allows and what he doesn't allow. And that's good. Even the scriptures sharpen our conscience and align our conscience with, with what God considers right and what God considers wrong. But here's the thing. If I'm answering the question, are you allowed to do something, and the scriptures doesn't say anything about it. The scripture doesn't say it's right or it's wrong. And in my experience as a leader, I, don't, I can't tell you if it's right or if it's wrong. Does that mean it's right or wrong? Well, it depends on what God tells you. If you're in your conscience, feel and know this is not going to be pleasing to God. Even if the scripture says nothing about it, even if my leaders think it's fine, for you it's not fine. It's actually sin. Interesting, hey? And I say this because sometimes our conscience bugs us. So we say, okay, well, something is bugging me. Well, what does the scripture say? Well, it doesn't say anything. Okay, well, then maybe it's fine. No, it's not fine. God's already told you in your conscience that he doesn't want you to do that. Then you say, okay, well, let me go and speak to my leaders and get wisdom from them. Well, they think it's fine. It's not fine. God already told you he doesn't want you to do it. It's sin. And you can say, well, it's not a sin issue because it's not in the scriptures. Yes, it is a sin issue because God said don't do it. If you disobey God, it's sin. Does that make sense? This is partly how we walk according to the Holy Spirit. We never go beyond scripture. So for sure, if the scripture says it's sin, you don't even have to pray about it. But for many things, like walking with God, it's a journey. It's every day, situation by situation. And I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm walking in communion with Him. And this is how I have fellowship with God. This is how I have fellowship with God. It says I walk by His Spirit. It's interesting that it says in Scripture that if I neglect what God is saying to me in my conscience my conscience can actually become dull again. It speaks of some uh, false teachers that they'd actually had a seared conscience. It's like, uh, the word is almost like if you brand something with a hot iron, the nerve endings die. And that can happen with your conscience, that your spiritual nerve endings die. And so, it's, it's, so the both, both is true. I find as a Christian, the more I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit and walk according to His Spirit, the sharper my sense of discernment actually gets. A very practical example of this is when I first started watching, when I start, first started following Christ and I was watching movies, my tolerance for, for sin in movies was very high. Didn't bug me. And the more I've followed Christ, every year the age restriction drops in my uh, tolerance levels. Have you noticed that? It's because as I follow the promptings of my conscience, I walk closer with God. And I have a better sense of what he loves and what he hates. As I follow, he renews me and he heals something that was broken inside of me. And I'm able to discern more and more accurately 
what's pleasing to him and what's grieving. So if I'm watching a movie and it's bugging me, I don't think, well, what does the scripture say about this? It's like it's bugging me. He's already spoken. Switch it off. And so there are many, many questions which you will wrestle with, which you'll need guidance on. And, and scripture will give you some wisdom. Your leaders might give you some wisdom. But, ac- but actually, what is your conscience saying? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you in your spirit? Because if everybody says, yes, it's fine, but God says, no, it's sin. One of the things I want to just remind you of, and I'm kind of closing now, which is shocking, but there it is. Um, learning to follow the Holy Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, it's a process. And, 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 and how do we learn to recognize the voice of God? Mostly you learn by failing. <laughs> I know that sounds like a shocking thing to say, but you're like... God, you pray about something, you feel like God tells you something, you're like, okay, I feel like I've heard God's voice, and then you do it, and you realize, okay, in hindsight, I actually didn't, I actually didn't hear God's voice. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't God. And sometimes you're not honest enough, so your friend or your community leader says, uh, no, it, it wasn't actually God. It's not a, it's, it's not a, it is an embarrassing thing, but we all do it, so it's not that embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? And anyone who says they haven't done that, they're lying. And, and so we, we learn to recognize the voice of God by by keeping in step, by going with what he th- we think he's saying, and then auto-correcting afterwards when we realize, okay, I actually did hear God's voice there. Have you, 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 have you experienced that? Like sometimes it happens with prophecy. You prophesy and there's this incredible response and there's this witness and it was totally God. And you feel so encouraged. Like, I did hear God. I thought I heard his voice and, and I was right. And then the next time you pray and you prophesy, you, God speaks to you again in the same way and you're like, well, he spoke to me before and, I, and that was him. And then you have the opposite experience as well. When you share something and it's a spectacular failing, a person starts crying and you're like, I'm so sorry, uh, just weigh it up. It, it obviously wasn't God. Just, just, just pretend I didn't say anything. And then, and then you have to pick yourself up and next time you're like, you have to, okay, autocorrect. This is what it's like to follow the Holy Spirit. And it's risky. But, but it is how we walk according to the Spirit. And so we don't just walk according to generic wisdom. God leads us. He walks with us. He teaches us. The last thing I'm, I want to say, and then I'm going to hand over to Janine, is what I started with saying. God wants us to walk with him like Abraham did, like Moses did, like David did, like Paul did, like Jesus did. And he wants us to seek him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to delight in him, to enjoy him. You know, there's something incredible about the presence of God. Even this morning, wasn't it amazing? You go into worship feeling heavy and anxious and you experience God and you experience his presence. And like you feel this peace and he refreshes your soul. And that's one of the things David says again and again. He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. And I love that about God. I love that about when I spend time with him in the mornings and I I seek him and I pray and I begin to worship him and he begins to restore my soul. And I want to say, don't ever take that for granted as a Christian. It's, it's, It's a necessary daily healing that God does when we linger in his presence, when we enjoy his presence, when we delight ourselves in him. You know, I've come to depend on God almost and I was thinking about it when you were praying earlier you know like someone who's got a medical dependency on a something they were over prescribed medication wise 
They, they now can't cope without it. That's me with God, just to clarify. I don't, I'm not on any prescription drugs. But I've learned to, I, I, I depend on God. I, I need him. I, I can't go on without him anymore. And that's a good thing. I, I daily require to be in step with him, to, to spend time with him, to, to rely on him, to lean on him, to give him my burdens. And how do I give him my burdens? I, I speak to him. I say, God, is, this is bothering me. It's really weighing me down. God, I, I commit this to you. And, I, and in Jesus, I invite you into this situation. And Lord, I want to see from your perspective. Would you help me to see from your perspective? And I, I begin to pray. And as I do that, there's this divine exchange with my weakness and my anxiety and my frailness and his power and his sovereignty and his lordship and his wisdom. And my heart gets restored. Amen? That's cool. Janine, why don't you come share? Good morning. <laughs> it's quite overwhelming standing here. You think, oh, I'll be fine to share until you get here. It's like, got this. <laughs> and um, so sometimes I cope with jokes. So forgive me if I joke or laugh. It's so nerves. <laughs> I'd like to start. Um, first of all, I'm Janine, when you don't know me. I'm married to Paul over there. He's part of the eldership team. And hold on to your chairs. I've been with Josh Jean 15 years. So, <laughs> what a blessing to be able to be part of this family for so long. Time really goes by like that. Hey? And, um, and so, it's just so privileged to share life with people. And to walk through all kinds of things in your journey with God, with people around you. And so my journey and our journey, the last two years, have been not such an easy journey. And I knew that God would one day let me share. And I was like, wow, that day is now. And I might not go into all the details, but I want you to know that um, sometimes the shaking that we go through... um, puts us in a position of like, how am I going to respond to God in this? And how am I going to find hope when things are looking a little bit wild? It can be anything in your life. You know, mine might seem a bit extreme. Others are maybe not, you know, your journey is your journey, you know. And so, going into the pandemic, um... We, before that all happened, we were like, wow, we want to extend our family. And just as everything hit, and we're like, wow, there's a little baby on the way. And so, and I thought, wow, God, we don't know what we're in for, but surely something good can, can, can come out of such a wild year or a start of something we don't know. And that looked very different by the end of that year. But what I want to share um, and Humphrey, you can put that scripture up, so maybe we can take that in as I'm sharing about hope being an anchor. So, we don't always know what our life is going to be like, you know, and I, I was thinking of that scripture, what is your life, you know? You don't, you know, maybe we'll do this or that, and maybe, you know, we'll spend money and we'll do our work and but you don't know what tomorrow might be. It says your life is but a vapor. It's like, wow, it's here today and gone tomorrow. 
And this was quite sobering for me because at the end of um, 2020, uh, November, um, there was an emergency and little Jonah came into the world a little bit earlier. And November the 18th. And so it was a lot different than what we expected. And sometimes we have our plans and we can go like, wow, this is going to be a certain way and I'm going to work all these things out. And sometimes there's a little bit of a curveball and sometimes we've got to know, even in that, God is still there holding my hand. And how am I going to position myself to find him even in a time of pain and shaking? You don't know, it's not easy to ask that question because you're in it. You're in the mess. But even in my mess, I need to ask those questions. God, I can't understand. But even still, I know you are so good no matter what. Because that is the truth that your word says so. You're not going to change. Things may change around us. But he's never going to change who he is. Ever, ever, ever. The most constant thing that will never shake is God. Hey, And so... What I quickly want to share about having hope as an anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, the curtain where Jesus went before us. And I found this, I was pondering on that scripture of hope. And I was trying to find, like, what is God actually saying to me about hope? And I've totally lost my post-it note. (laughs) but that's okay, here it is. So the Amplified Bible, I found this really lovely um, explanation of that scripture. It, It packs it out like this. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it, a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. And I'm like, whoa, it hit me yesterday. That place where his presence dwells, no pressure we can ever go through. You know, a hope in him can ever break. You know, it can, it's not shakeable, you know. It's not, it's, you can't shake the hope that we have. And so the story goes that by the end of the year, I woke up after an emergency day and I'm getting blood and I don't know what's happening. I, I know, but I don't know. You know, you like it's quiet and you like everything's still and I'm like realize that yo, I, uh, I Jonah, Jonah came very quickly. He was in ICU and I'm lying there and and I, I actually almost went as well. I almost died that night. Um, it's quite a heavy word. <laughs> and I realized that my life, what is my life? It's like it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And I was like, what would have happened if I didn't open my eyes? Life would have been very different for, for Paul. But I know that even in everything, God still had a plan. And that unshakable hope, and I was like, I had to choose how am I going to put myself in this position? How am I going to hope in God? I have to choose. Every day is different because one day you'll be fine. The other day it'll be shaky. You'll be like, God, this is rough. But I choose 
to have hope in you, no matter what. And so sometimes when your life is like a flash before your eyes and you're like, you don't actually know like where to go from here, but in the moment. And you know, God did a lot, but also you also can't pack out in words what it is God does to you in your innermost being when you go through such heartache and loss, you know. And I think I was quiet for a very long time, but it's not that I lost hope in God. It's just sometimes you just don't have the words. But you know, God is moving you in the inside. He's like, there is a bigger picture. Every life is significant, whether it was two days with Jonah, only two days, or a lifetime, 50 years. God was still in every detail. And I can see the miracles of the day. In, and sometimes, you know, it, you get flashbacks of like how, how God unpacked the day and how he spoke and how he came and how he saved and the miracles that took place, if certain things didn't happen, you know, like you can reflect and go like, wow, that's what God did. I could have pondered upon all the things of why not, why it did not happen, why this didn't happen. But I had to choose to go, I see God in that. I saw him in that. I saw how he came through. You know, it could have been so different if I was in a different hospital. I wouldn't have met Jonah. And all these amazing things that have happened, even in the, the scheme of loss, still I needed to choose every day to find God in, the, in, in my suffering and in our suffering. And so I wanted to share, like, even when we go through shaking times, like, how do we, how is walking with God going to reflect to others in our suffering or in the shaking I wanted to share a moment we had the last day um, in the hospital. Um, it was an absolute miracle that I did survive because my kidneys were almost just not coping. <laughs> and so the doctor like, did want to do like a last test, like two or three tests before, just to make sure the levels were fine, you know. And he did another test because it was fine. I was like, no, let's just do another test. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> And so um, he came in, and even through all of this, I was like, God, like, where are you all in all of this? Like, you forget that other people around you are also going through something with you. And though even though I don't have close relationship with the, the doctors, the staff, they have to carry a burden and a, and a journey on their own. And I, I realized after that, after the, after the day we left, how how God can impact anybody around you, no matter, even though you feel like, oh, it's like, it's my thing, you know. It can be so impactful for those around you. And so on the last day, the doctor came in. He's like, no, you can actually go home. You're doing amazingly, and it was great. And um, he was like, he excused the nurse. He was like, no, you can go. And he stood there, and he was like, he had tears in his eyes. Like, obviously, he had a mask on. <laughs> he's got tears in his eyes, and he's like, he's like, he grabs my hand, and he goes, I don't understand what it is. Sorry. I was doing well till now. <laughs> 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 I'm still there. 
And so he's like, what is this peace you have? I don't understand. And the only words that came out of my mouth was, Jesus. And I said, you know, doctor, it's not your fault. And he just felt this weight lift him because they carry so much. They've got no one to process such tragedy with. Even though it was mine, I can be like, wow. No, they don't have anybody if they don't have Jesus, you know. And so it was so amazing to be able to see God just extend such grace to someone who just couldn't understand what it is we had, you know. And, you know, it was, would have been so worth it <laughs> if I was alive to see that. And I don't know his journey. I don't know if God's doing other things, but I know God was busy in that moment, in that room. And I know that Jonah's life was and is significant, you know. And I can hope to see him again, and I can strive. I could be like, oh, one day I'm going to see Jonah, and I'm going to see my other little bubs I lost, Elijah. And it's going to be amazing, but that cannot be the thing that I hope for. I'm going to see them, and I'm going to rejoice, you know. I'm going to look for that little red balloon in the sky. But it cannot be the, the thing that I hope for. Because we have to be, we have to hope for Jesus. Jesus has to be the one that we are hoping for. Because it's, if he's not the one you're hoping for, what is? What are you hoping for? What is your hope in if it's not Jesus? Because we're going to go through stuff, guys. A, a lot of stuff in our life. But if we don't have Jesus, like what are we going to hope for, you know? He's the one that's eternal and on the throne. The one that never changes. The one that's going to heal us all. Fully and completely. And so, um, and I know he's still busy doing stuff deep in me. You know, I think it's a lifelong journey. But I know, sure, he's so good. Even in the stuff that we go through. We have to find him in the tragedy. We need to find him in when the wheels of the bus fall off, you know, in whatever circumstance. So I really want to encourage you guys. I hope it's an encouragement. <laughs> because, yeah, you all have a story, you know. And sometimes it's hard to share, but it's like, these, every story is, is significant. Your story is significant, and it's powerful, and it carries a hope that you don't know someone needs. You know, so yeah, I think I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> so thank you for letting me share.